You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano. I host Bubble and Squeak here on the Rock Candy Network. I tell personal, revealing stories. He whispered, did you just masturbate? Because I felt a terrible presence of evil enter the... I make prank phone calls to the past. Heimbach. General Star, Elijah Heimbach speaking. How may I help? Into the future. <clears throat> because my boyfriend and I are just not having enough sex. Always a problem with the butt sex. You just have to listen to it. It's too hard to describe. Check out Bubble and Squeak wherever you listen to podcasts. You have arrived at your destination. wonder what that says about the human race how we treat treat our phones and how we treat uh you ever spoken to siri in a way that was like not appropriate to say to like yeah. a human sure yeah yeah those, I, i've those, never okay so i i will push back on this a little bit i don't know if i'm going to be able to use this because i have some real thoughts but i <laughs> i have talked to siri in a way that's not polite but i yeah. will say that Humans also talk to each other that way, and I've never said anything to her that under no circumstances I would say to a human being, right? Sure. I've been rude, but people are rude to each other, too. So, you know, I've never said, I hope you die or anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I've just said, damn it, Siri, come on. But if I was frustrated with a human, I would say that, too. It just depends on how well these these AI are going to, like, read read into context and, like... They might just murder Because a human's going to be like... You know what? It's not worth completely ending this person's life over that. Yeah. But what does a computer know? Yeah, it's about time. Maybe everything, but also (laughs) maybe nothing at the same time. (laughs) This is Common Creators Podcast. It is. Yeah. I don't know where we will start in that, but somewhere. That's Um, okay. We have a special episode today. It's different. It's, It's strange. It's scary. There's something... On the wing. There's something. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we have a guest today. Today we have John from Magnified Pod slash our newest podcast ever. It's a podcast that I found actually not too long ago, but they've been going for a while. And they do deep dives and deep analysis of primarily so far two bands, to my knowledge, which are MXPX for their first season and Five Iron Frenzy for their second season it's a niche it's a niche if you will yeah it's a niche it's a niche show and i found it um i found it because i was having a conversation about fire and frenzy as one does as i do at least twice right. a year uh, a sort of very long conversation about them and their place in my life and uh then i was like let me just search you know i just randomly do this let me search for some of the band members names on the podcast app because they get interviews at various times Sure. Um, and I find an interview with one of them. I forget which one it was. Actually, it was Reese or Scott, I think. And uh, I was like, "Oh man, this is like an active. This is an active podcast about Five Iron Frenzy." And yeah. so I went back and listened to a ton of them. And they seem like really cool guys. Uh, have some sort of some sort of overlap in terms of, I guess, upbringing or like scene that they were into when they were younger. Yeah. Uh, they have that so- whole sort of like experience of like. The Christian music industry in the, you know, 90s, basically. Yeah. And so anyway, I just reached out and I was like, hey, you want to be on the pod? 
podcast? You want to be on this different podcast? And he was like, yeah. So now we bring you this show because of that. Yeah, would you like to cross over? Would you like to cross over? The time is now. Now uh, we have the Ghostbusters say never to cross streams, but Mm-mm. that I've found that over and over again to be a false statement. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Remember those troughs? It's fine. Yeah. Remember those troughs in the in the boys' restroom when you're growing up? <laughs> yeah. Enjoy this episode, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But That's great. yeah, thanks so much for doing it, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've really Super been cool. uh, enjoying your guys' pod. There's uh, oh, a man, lot of topics you. that I'm. Like every single topic, basically, that you can is something I'm super into. So oh, nice. 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 Very cool. All right. Yeah. So this is Comic Creators Podcast. And welcome, welcome, John. Uh, thanks for being here, man. I just said that, but I don't know that I was recording. So let me just say it again. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, thanks I've, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been really excited about it. Uh, so why don't we do this? Because I've listened to your podcast uh, a bunch. I haven't listened to all of it. You guys have done a lot, which is awesome. Yeah. But I've listened to a bunch of it. But why don't you tell our listeners about your podcast a little bit? Just whatever you sure. feel like sharing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get, I get can a little cross-pollination. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I co-host a podcast called Magnified Pod. It's a very niche title, which we kind of realize later, but it's a play on the band MXPX, which they were originally called Magnified Plaid, and we originally uh, went through the entire discography of uh, MXPX. This season we're doing Five Iron Frenzy, so, you know, for folks who might know, those are kind of 90s uh christian <laughs> punk staples and yeah. uh for those who are in that world there's there's plenty to discuss but for those who maybe are not in that specific niche um really the kind of impetus for us doing the show was to talk about these bands that that meant a lot to us but both andrew and my, my andrew and i my co-hosts came out of the sort of evangelical christian world and now are in pretty different places um in terms of kind of our faith journey um but both of us share this kind of background from that world we both played in bands music meant a lot to us and so it kind of gives us an opportunity to use the bands as a jumping off point just to talk about that sort of christian bookstore alternate universe as we call it um (laughs) where there's plenty to uh to dig into in terms of uh, culture and politics and religion so we talk about the bands but we also talk about kind of the, the broader cultural picture well, you just so happen to pick the two best ones, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next. We might have to yeah. start jumping around. But these are the two kind of biggest for both of us. So. Sure. Yeah, Will told me the name of the podcast. I'm like, oh, no, that completely tracks for yeah. me. Okay, like, magnified pod. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're one of the, like, 25 or whatever. So. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> right on. That's great. I was listening to um, an episode of you guys probably, you know, a uh, couple of weeks ago or something. I Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I've, like, binged quite a few of them. So it was in the mix uh-huh. somewhere. But you guys were talking about... Um, going to the, the experience of being a, a kid and like going to the Christian bookstore and like that mm-hmm. was how you got you know you're looking for anything with a tooth and nail label on it or whatever um, and I was like man this is it's it's funny how there's this sort of now there's this cohort of just right. full out adults who all sort of share, shared that that weird niche experience when they were kids yeah. who are doing other things now so yeah cool. I think we all kind of look back on it mostly with like a healthy degree of skepticism but sure. there's also sure. yeah. you know we did share the specific scene that meant a lot to us and I, that scene is sort of dead and you know it's yeah. kind of looking back on it realizing how meaningful it was to kind of have this little community is also something positive so yeah no most definitely and and for um i'm not sure if you and i talked about this uh, john and our back and forth or not but like our podcast network is run by matt langston from yeah. you know 117 so it's he's he's sort of 
is still in that uh, world, not the sort of Christian market, but like he's, you know, he's one of the guys from that world. So it's right. a pretty fun little. Yeah, well, I think a large amount of his fan base are completely still in that world. Sure, so. sure, right, sure. Right. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, so. we're uh, we're moving on shortly from the proper Fire of Iron discography to Fast Feeling. So we've been talking oh. about getting uh, Matt yeah. on the pod for a while. So we might for have sure. to make this. You absolutely here. should. For he's, sure. Yeah. He's a he's a blast. Yeah, he's a good yeah, dude for sure. Well, yeah, thanks for for sharing that with our our folks who are listening to this. So this will be this will be a little bit of a interesting sort of left turn for you then, I guess, in terms of uh, being on a podcast and talking about something <laughs> that's it's not at all related to what you guys tend to focus on, right? Um, you know what I what I always tell Andrew is like if you could have told me what podcast I would end up hosting, I definitely would have guessed like movies or scary stories or sure, something like sure. that. But instead, I'm in this very specific uh, place, so <laughs> I'm happy to dive into some uh, some spooky stuff. Now, before cool. we dive into spooky stuff, though, mm-hmm. did anybody else see Mike Herrera and his wife on HGTV? No. Absolutely. What? We did a special episode on it. <laughs> a special episode where I don't I don't remember was it was it maybe the Property Brothers or oh, something wow. like that. No, it's uh oh shoot, what are they called? It's like a couple. Um, oh, it's the ones. Uh, is, was it Chip and Joanna? Yes, yes, Chip and Joanna. Okay, so show? Joanna <laughs> had to design his his quote unquote studio. Sure, right. And it was just like a colorful room. And that was, <laughs> wow, you know, <laughs> but it, that's wild. Yeah, I'll I have was. To look that I up. was. I was amped amped that it was on there and then on hgtv there was there's also a band that my band used to play with called house of heroes uh-huh. and oh yeah the, the singer of that band was on one of those episodes as well was on one of the HGT- hgtv shows yeah wow so, that's wild yeah we did uh so fixer upper is the name of the show fixer we, upper, that's we did a uh, an episode a live commentary on the episode <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's beautiful. check that out if you want to that's, that's beautiful yeah. absolutely that was fun. That's we had my wife on for that one because she <laughs> likes sure. uh, Fixer Upper. So that, you know, oh, very our cool. Venn diagram yeah. overlapped on that one. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those types of shows, though. It's like you're just excited to see what they can do with this nonsense. Sure. Right. Look yeah, at yeah. this nonsense. Oh, they did it again. Sure. <laughs> and that's Every still uh, where Mike uh, records from. So it's still working. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sweet. So, yeah, today we are talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, which I'm really hyped to dig into. Um, I had I have this book. I've got it sitting in front of me, or the uh, I have the Scary Stories Treasury. You know where Ooh. it's got like all all three of the books or whatever. So I went back. I read some of those. I watched the movie, which I hadn't seen before actually. And then also I watched a documentary about it. Yeah. That um that you may have mentioned to me actually, John, in our back and forth. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. um but nonetheless I found that. So I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm you know so. I don't know. Where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start with what do you remember about this book or where was the first place you heard of it or yeah, any I'll, of the scary stories properties? I'll go ahead and say this as well. Just jumping in. I remember this book being around for a long time. And as a kid, I wasn't into like scary stuff. And that took a hard turn at some point. But I never read this book or any of these books. But I was familiar with these books. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Um, yeah. So when the, when, you know, when the movie come, came out, I was like, I'm familiar with these images. I haven't read these stories. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested to kind of hear what you guys think of how, how these adaptation sure. as well, how that works, um, which I have some thoughts on um, yeah. regarding just narrative structure for film in general. But um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like even if you didn't actually read the books, those like book covers were omnipresent, you know, yeah, when we were 100%. growing up. Those images yeah, yeah. are just like burned in every kid's brain from our generation, yeah. I think. So. Oh, most definitely. And I, I wonder if it's part of part of one of those things. I mean, I was definitely a Goosebumps kid. Like I read I went through sure. at least one or two Goosebumps phases. But 
I wonder if the way we remember those images, if we didn't read the books, is because they were in those like scholastic like book fairs, you right. know, yeah. when they just let the salespeople in to just <laughs> in <laughs> my <laughs> notes, I have yeah. book fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. We used to, yeah, they used to take us through the book fair like in like single file down the mm. hall, and then you'd get mm-hmm. there, and then you know, first you'd go to the scary stories books, you'd check out the imagery, and I can't believe they have this in school, and then. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd grab the Animorphs, and then you'd flip through the corner to watch the people morph. Watch and then the you show, would just, yeah. yeah, and then you would just play with the erasers the rest of the time. <laughs> sure, yeah, that all sounds go. right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I, John, John, did you read these growing up, or were I, you? I did. I was obsessed. Yeah. I mean, I oh, nice. I was always drawn to scary stuff and to Halloween as a kid, and yeah. I was probably too little when I started getting yeah. uh, <laughs> the scary stories from Scholastic. I think I ordered sure. them or did the book fair, but Scholastic was certainly involved. But I think yeah. we probably all were probably too little to be reading them. <laughs> sure, um, yeah, I sure. think that's like a that's a <laughs> something that keeps coming up is like these yeah. are this is like yeah. just just a step removed from where you should you probably should have been like emotionally <laughs> right. reading these. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's part of what made it fun. Like I was yeah, so yeah. drawn yeah. to them because they were almost too scary, <laughs> yeah. and I mm. knew. I knew the images and stories would sort of like implant themselves on my psyche Um, and and they (laughs) did, but I also like couldn't not read them. So I don't know. I think it's probably good for kids to be a little bit scared sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, growing up for us, like I'm, I was, uh, Will and I are roughly the same age, but we were born in, I guess the late eighties and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, growing up for us, are you afraid of the dark goosebumps, Mm, R.L. Stein, all that stuff. Um, I, I feel like, Dur- during that time, I think these books, the the scary stories books, the first ones were written in the early to mid eighties, and then the last yeah. one was written maybe in the early nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But was that a type of maybe golden age for like like uh, breeding people like us, like horror <laughs> that fans? Makes sense. Like <laughs> these, uh, yeah, horror horror fanatics. Um, I don't know. I mean, other than like the new like, are you afraid of the dark show? Like. Uh-huh. I don't know that there's a very good equivalent to like kids like that kind of came went through that stuff after us. Um, sure. Or you know that's probably me just being an old man saying like no well we had it we had it a little better. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what kids would name today as sort of the the things that were formative to them in terms of of scary literature books, yeah. but uh, it did seem like maybe for a while there they were they were getting away with with stuff that might not. <laughs> be gotten away with today sure in the 80s so yeah yeah um i was surprised to learn that these came out so early like the first one was 81 which was a little i mean a little bit before me and for some reason i thought they came out sort of right as i was you know of course it's just very self-centric i'm like oh they came out right around the time i did right but no so speaking of we've sort of danced around it a little bit but let me just jump in there is controversy surrounding this book right i mean the 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 documentary that i ended up watching about the the books the series of books focuses on the fact that these were the most challenged series of books from the 90s uh, or in the 90s they were the most challenged by like mm-hmm. you know uh parents groups and teachers and and so on and so forth right because they have they do like like you were saying they go just a little bit maybe too far mm-hmm. yeah you you think know. Harry Potter's bad? Like you're right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I don't think there's very much cannibalism at all in Harry Potter. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I thought bound it was, to be of some. <laughs> probably. I thought it was interesting that they kind of used that defense over and over in the documentary when they kind of covered, you know, school yeah. boards or teachers or whatever defending their use to kind of be like, 
you know, it's good for kids to kind of confront their fears sometimes. And yeah, even if this stuff has the potential to sort of <laughs> traumatize you <laughs> slightly, yeah, um, yeah. there's probably a good reason for kids to kind of think about this stuff and deal with it in some way. So I, I think that sure. makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, the world itself is fairly traumatizing or right. can yeah, be. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, being um, someone who, who didn't read the books, but did see the imagery imagery growing up. Do you think the books without, without the illustrations, like Stephen Ga- Gamel, Gamel, uh, Gamel, I think, Gamel, I think it's Gamel. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, those, those, illustrations like you know those especially for the team making the movie were like the bible for this for how Mm -hmm. this movie should look how much do you think that played into how kind of disturbing the stories felt because that's this is just me kind of looking in like were the stories that bad was it like i mean you you mentioned like cannibalism but you know was it like (laughs) Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark cannibalism with a really intense image or, you know, does do the stories, does the prose kind of hold up to the artwork? I mean, I I think there's no question that the art itself, the visual art is just an insane part of why or is a key part of why these were so insanely popular, you know, Um, and so affecting for so many people. One thing that I was shocked about when I came back, because I I owned the books, but I hadn't or I owned this compilation, but I hadn't looked at it in years. And then when I went back to look at it, um, partially to prep for this and also just last year, I was bored, you know, and so flipping through them, I was shocked with how short so many of these stories are. yeah like many of these stories are like a page and a half or something i mean they're very very short often sure. so i think the art's key and the, the stories are well done and they do contain creepy stuff uh but some of them are hokey and like you know mm-hmm. funny even and stuff like that but uh, yeah. yeah i don't know it's funny how many of the stories that impacted me the most like going back and looking at them again are like maybe several paragraphs. <laughs> like yeah, I, yeah. for some reason they took up much more real estate in terms <laughs> of storytelling, but I guess the images yeah. again are a lot of why they felt bigger. Cause I was more focused on the drawing in my mind when I would think about the story than I was about sure. the prose. Sure. Um, and being a, you know, being a kid, like, those images stick with you through like through it all right like your 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 brain is is connecting certain wires or 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 patching this to that at that point you know and it's like patching this artwork into your fear uh your fear patch it's like a a (laughs) modular synthesizer (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah Yeah, it was um I mean, so I wanted to be a cartoonist growing up and I was kind of like obsessed with these images while also being repulsed by them. (laughs) Like this just kind of, it's like liquidy and there's sort of blood and shadows all dripping. Everything's kind of dripping. (laughs) And, um, the, uh, the illustrator, uh, yeah, Stephen Gamble, however we Gamble, Gamble, he was from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, which is my hometown. Um, we had this like obsession as kids to kind of like find find him because <laughs> we oh, knew nice. that he was from there um oh, that's great but he's this very mysterious figure he never gave interviews um, sounds like a screenplay honestly <laughs> yeah yeah, right. yeah. let's find this guy right. yeah. he uh yeah i mean i we we just had this idea that we wanted to kind of find him and figure him out and but he was uh th- he the only thing we knew was that he supposedly had a studio over a restaurant so we would kind of wonder about oh, which wow. one might be his or like maybe that's where he is that's um, so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he seems like a pretty normal dude. You know, he doesn't seem too sure. <laughs> creepy, but like yeah. you imagine that he's this just like nightmare person when you're a little kid. 
Has he done and and I didn't really like dig dig super deep into it beyond just watching the documentary about it. But has he done work for lots of other things? And he just doesn't because the impression that I got was he just doesn't really like the spotlight. He's not trying to do a bunch of interviews that he could potentially do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. But I, I didn't look into what has he done otherwise. I know he's done other things, but yeah, um, I think he's yeah, worked steadily. But in particular, this book, the song and dance man, which was like okay. one, like the Caldecott or some kids book oh, cool. award. Um, yeah. But that was around the same time, sort of late eighties. And that's like a very jovial yeah. book. Um, but that <laughs> huh. it's done very much in the same style, only not, creepy but it's still kind of yeah. drippy and sketchy and weird <laughs> but yeah i know that one for sure and i didn't i didn't actually another thing and either of you might know this but uh if not no worries but um what's the medium that he's using here the uh for the stephen gamble illustrations um because it looks so like almost watercolor mixed right. with ink or something i don't know yeah i don't i think i read that it's just pencil um but really? he's yeah. clearly using some kind of technique to make it look sort of sort blotchy and misty yeah Yeah, i don't i don't know exactly but because it goes from blotchy to like very something yeah it goes from like blotchy to like very fine lines Mm -hmm. just in the in the course of one image so yeah it's possible that he's messing with some some ink in there too like graphite or i don't know but yeah yeah anyway but super super iconic imagery uh from him and then also one of the things that i thought was really cool um when i was watching you know the doc and when i was reading about it and stuff is another one of the things that librarians and so forth would use to defend having these books for children is that alvin schwartz who i don't even know if we've mentioned yet but (laughs) alvin schwartz is not just making this stuff up right he's not like an rl stein he's researching folklore and then putting it into his own language basically sort of compiling various types of or various versions of all these stories into little simple ones simple versions uh to publish for children (laughs) <laughs> yeah for children and, yeah it's funny because he i know he did another like scary story collection that i also had that was different from this and okay there were other you know kind of like collected folklore stories for kids but you know joe i think yeah. to your question like the illustrations had to be the thing that kind of made the difference right like they're mm, yeah. well curated stories and to- told well but i think without them i'm not sure that they would be the cu- cultural touchstone that these became yeah, I mean, he he focuses so much like on the grotesque that is the human body. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just forces you at a young age to take a look at the human body and realize that we're all just really terribly gross. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I don't know what it was, like if yeah. it was this particular kind of scary storytelling that hooked me, but I just remember like always kind of thinking of, I think I I would only name this later, but it's sort of like, genre as an exercise for telling stories of a particular people or culture or moment in time like that's what really draws me to genre i think and i think horror might be the best at that like maybe ghost stories in particular the most like it's really i don't know and yeah will i'm sure you have more to say about this in terms of like your academic background and stuff but there is something to be said for sort of curating these horror stories across centuries that tells you something about like the anthropology of those particular cultures that they're pulled from. Oh, um, yeah, but I think that's absolutely. what draws me to it ultimately probably. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I feel like it's it's one of that's one of the things that's so so cool about this uh, this collection or these collections is that you can enjoy it, you know, as a kid like you would enjoy a Goosebumps uh, you know, story, you can enjoy it 
for the visual art itself because it's very sophisticated and very well done. And then you can also enjoy it in this sort of third layer of like, even if I can read this in the dark and I'm not scared at all because I'm an adult now and whatever, you know, I can look through the notes and be like, oh, where did he get this stuff? You know, mm-hmm. you can kind of go as right. deep as you would like to or as shallow as you would like to. And it still rewards that kind of investment, which is really, really cool. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I always loved like hearing variations on them later being like, oh, I first heard that in scary stories yeah. but this is a slightly different version of it or you know yeah that was that was actually one of the things i was going to ask y'all is is have you come across any of the stories that either are in the book or joe if you haven't read the book then that are uh, put together in the movies have you ever come across these folk folk stories in the wild anywhere you know <laughs> um, mm. like have, has anyone ever told you any of these or whatever where it wasn't coming from a sort of you know commercialized book or movie whatever i i, I feel like the the red dot um, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's always something that I think even not having read the books is something that, that, that I've always heard, heard lore of like oh, yeah. a spider, like, you know, Ooh. laying eggs in your, in, under your skin and it, you know, you being kind of, sure. and Will hates spiders, but I, I mean, I, I think can't. that's the one specifically <laughs> that like feels like, yeah, that's a hundred percent something I've heard elsewhere multiple times. Sure. Yeah. I, even, um. The sort of like more mundane urban legendy ones, like there's the one where the guy's got a, a hook for a hand and he's escaped yeah. an asylum and he's, you know, <laughs> there's kids in a car driving around and they find a hook in the in their car door when they get home. Or um, yeah. there's one about, uh, you know, there's a guy in the back seat and there's like a semi truck flashing his brights to warn the driver yeah, and the driver yeah. thinks that the truckers after but it's really he's warning about the guy in the backseat like all that stuff oh, i definitely yeah. heard later as like kind of these classic scary stories but i definitely heard them first in these books yeah yeah i i think i heard the only one i remember hearing in the wild was actually my great grandmother who i barely have memories of at all she told the uh the big toe story uh-huh. um and she would do the like it was the it was the whole the whole shtick of like you know where's my and it, for her it wasn't where's my toe it was where's my big toe like <laughs> over and over and um i remember her doing the whole thing of like you know building up and then just going there it is like so many of these stories end with and then grab the person right. and yell you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of fun uh but yeah i remember That's, she would do that so it's super interesting you say that because that that really st- <laughs> i feel like that happened to me with a grandparent <laughs> like yeah and it's yeah. something i probably never would have sure. thought of again <laughs> yeah and I, 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 I feel like, you know, that's such a common, like, human thing to do, to, like, tell a story and then give it a little punch by, like, doing something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it just seems like such a human, and it does tie to that sort of, that really cool angle on this collection and on the, these things uh, in general as being folklore, as being sort of anthropological snapshots in time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so. Yeah, I like that they kind of include the stage directions in like the first chapter. I think it's two out of the three books have that structure where it's like, this is the scare your friend section. And they just all end with like all caps and in parentheses. It's like point to your friend now. Um, they know those are, that's effective. Can we talk about the naming of these three volumes? Cause I think, I think Hollywood, Hollywood grabbed something from their third one. And I don't know that it was like the best thing that Hollywood could have grabbed. Scary Stories mean? 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bone. Uh-huh. <laughs> too fast, too, too too scary, too stories. <laughs> you know, just like, sure. Yeah, they kind of gave sure. up on the convention with the third one, I guess. Yeah. But. More Scary yeah. Stories to Chill Your Bone. That's great. That's a great second. Yeah. What are we going to call the third one? Well, yeah. 
Scary, yeah. <laughs> Scary Stories 3 is a good start. Yeah. What else you got? It's already iconic by that point, so it's like Scary Stories yeah. 3. Right. You know? The, uh, the third one, I feel like, is the one... So I was, I guess, 8 in 91 when the third one came out, and I feel like that's... Mm-hmm. I guess I must have gotten them kind of all at once or something. Um, sure. And I feel like that has some of those memorable ones. Like, that's what has, like, the Red Spot and Harold and the Dream with the Pale Lady. Yeah. Like, and the movie takes a lot of yep. stuff from book three. Um, yeah, it does. So by the time they yeah. got to that one, I feel like that's when it was sort of at its like height. I wonder gotcha. how much of yeah. yeah, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that like that book was fresh for kind of the generation that that went on to like take their kids to see this movie, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, potentially so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, just to you know, contextualize a little bit, it, you know, it's just it's just hitting me, and this is obvious, but it's just hitting me that like we should probably mention the fact that like the mid '80s into the early '90s is kind of the height of the fire of like the Satanic Panic. Right. So sure. having all of these horrifying and and you know beautifully horrifying images and you know folklore about cannibalism and murder and stuff like that fits right into that narrative of like they're coming <laughs> for the kids, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, and. Um, Again, haven't haven't only kind of un- knowing kind of these stories. Like the third the third book coming out in the early nineties, from mm-hmm. your all's perspective, you know the first book comes out, people buy it, publishers psyched. Second book comes out, more people buy this thing. The third one, two, <laughs> you know, three fast, three furious comes out. <laughs> sure. Do you think like because more and more people are purchasing this book, purchasing this book, um, do the stories get watered down at all? And if so. Does that have anything to do with yeah. maybe those those stories kind of sticking out, maybe being a little bit like more dige- not more digestible? Hmm. I mean, I don't I, know. I'm I'm probably just like yeah. I don't I, know. I don't I don't think they get watered down. From my memory, they don't. I didn't read all of all three books um, over to to prep, but I did read stories from all three books um, to prep. And like the one, if I'm not mistaken, um, the third one has some has some stories in it that are like, whew. Yeah. That, like, that's still, that's still pretty okay. good. Like they've, the, uh, there's one and I'm flipping through trying to find it right now, but it's the one about the, uh, butcher or something that ends up making sausage. Yeah. Out yeah, of, yeah. Uh, I mean, starts making sausage out of children in the neighborhood. Like it's pretty rough. Right. <laughs> so, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think he was pulling any punches by book yeah. three. Like okay. they didn't seem to be letting off the steam a little. I do remember they all kind of blur yeah. together for me. So I did go back and look through them for this. And I think the second one is actually the one that I sort of am least impacted by going back and looking at them. Sure. The third one seems yeah. to be a little more closely in line with how the, the first one was in terms of like how he does the chapters and um, yeah. things like that. So I think the third one and the first one are actually the strongest in, in my kind of going through them. Yeah, yeah. No, I kind of I agree with that as well. Like as I'm looking as I was looking through like the table of contents, like I definitely had the most reaction to stories from the first one and stories from the third one. Uh, most definitely. There was um, um I mean yeah. maybe I'd be interested in hearing uh, if you guys have particularly memorable stories from them, but just kind of in going through them I was thinking about the ones yeah. that impacted me the most and there's kind of like stories from all three books that are kind of variations on the same thing, but in my head they're kind of just like one big story which yeah, so in yeah. the first one he, so he's divided them into chapters and there's one called he heard footsteps coming up the cellar stairs and yeah, it's got yeah. this guy walking upstairs from the basement and then <laughs> book two has a story called the voice 
And I think that's the story that I remember mm. the most, even though I just said <laughs> book two impacted me at least. That's kind of like the one that sure. I remember where it said, it's like, I'm on the bottom step now. Now I'm on the top step. Uh, now I'm walking down the hall. Yeah. And that messed me up <laughs> as a kid. Um, yeah. And then the third one has a story called Footsteps, where it's like, I think an older sister is downstairs while her younger sister's in bed and her parents are out and she hears just footsteps come in the door and go upstairs. So in my head, yeah. like all those things sort of mixed together into this illustration of a guy coming upstairs from the basement and I would just sit in my room and picture that guy and imagine these footsteps. Ooh, so <laughs> yeah. that's definitely yeah. like <laughs> the combined sort of of all those stories together is what, what sticks out to me the most, I guess, in retrospect. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. Like it, it ties in with what I find most memorable, which is sort of a theme rather than particular stories. Mm. But it's it's the notion of like so many of these stories, probably because they're folklore, like there's no there's often not a clear antagonist. Like it's not always there's an evil butcher who's chopping up kids. Right. Like sometimes it's like, you know, I think of that story, um, unless I'm misremembering, but the story called The Thing in there, mm-hmm. um, where like it's very it's very much about the ambiguity. It's very much about like there's a thing, right? right? And he saw this thing walking from whatever blah blah blah. But there's not a ton of like description. Here's what the thing is. It's like it gives you this ambiguity so that your imagination can fill in the gaps in whatever the scariest way to you is, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um that kind of thing. And so I feel like those the footsteps reminds me of that too where it's like there are footsteps. Well, what's making them? Well, you know, the, the ambiguity and your mind can play with that and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I wonder um, if that's partly why this stuck with me so much because I still feel like yeah. in storytelling, especially scary storytelling, often ambiguity works best for me. Like, you know, yeah, when you kind of yeah. get down to the explicit answers of a lot of the stuff, it sometimes falls apart and you're like, oh, it's not as yeah. meaningful anymore. But if you're like, yeah, it sort of deflates it. Right, yeah. If you can't really explain it, but you know that it's causing tension and terror, yeah. like that's, yeah. that's satisfying <laughs> enough on its own. And that's sort of how, you know, these things are, we, we talk on the, on the podcast a lot about like, pulp stuff where or like plot versus character and all that stuff and these are it's interesting because this is the first episode we've really talked about like these are folklore mm. and i think that sort of ambiguity or or the 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 sort of stage direction as you said right mm-hmm. uh, the sort of like grab your friend and yell right. like those things show that these are just stories that have developed over time in various ways and have traveled you know like a big game of telephone kind of thing mm-hmm. um, yeah i think i um i think these and this kids paperback series subscription uh my aunt got me when i was growing up (laughs) kind of like lumped (laughs) together for me as sort of my first exposure to any kind of like folklore uh or collected kind of horror stories and sure this um this paperback series was like my first exposure to robin hood and things like that but there was this edgar Allan poe collection um Mm -hmm. in it that i was obsessed with and it was kind of similarly like this is probably too scary for kids yeah but those like the scary stories and then that Poe book together just kind of like imprinted on me this idea of kind of like these are these are stories kind of passed on and new versions of those stories but they they got in my brain and like never really left and kind of formed the way that I think about stories because I was so into kind of the the creepiness of the of the folklore and how it had sort of like been a part of these particular cultures that they were from yeah yeah well let's uh you guys want to uh transition a little bit and chat about the movie some um yeah, i was gonna say speaking of folklore 
Can you imagine Robert Eggers making a scary story? Oh man, movie? man. <laughs> that oh, might have been sh- that might have been more what I wanted out of yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, um, for kids, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Keep I, it light, I, Robert. Yeah, no, he 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 won't yeah. make a movie for kids. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's too into his thing. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. this isn't for you. This is for me. We sure. all know this is for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah, let's, let's let's talk about this movie because sure. it's it's interesting hearing you guys kind of talk about folklore and and how you can kind of like get multiple things out of these stories um mm-hmm. if you kind of dig deep enough and you understand kind of con- contextually where how they are written and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um not so much with this movie. Um mm-hmm. I don't think because <laughs> sure. you know other than the the image the images of this and then seeing this movie what last year whenever it came out um sure yeah the books sound dope <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and, and I'll, I'll 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 say all that to say i actually really enjoyed this movie um mm-hmm. i liked this movie because it was uh halloween of 1968 a bunch of unruly kids get together and mm-hmm. go on a ghost adventure like come See, on that sounds rad that's <laughs> a great premise yeah. that's great like yeah exactly if if you can if you separate it from scary stories like right yeah, it's like it's like a Halloween Amblin movie made now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That mm-hmm. doesn't so much. Um, I, I have a couple points to make about this, but it doesn't so much beat you over the head with the time it's in, like a Stranger yeah. Things or an It. Although yeah. Stranger Things and It, I'm I'm a fan of those as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think Stranger Things and It specifically paved the way for this movie to be made in the way it was made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, we'll, we'll get we'll get to a little bit of Nixon in Vietnam, which I think uh, I think Del Toro was trying to 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 relive some of that um, magic from uh, the Devil's Backbone, um, mm. and it just just didn't work. Interesting doesn't work. Um, did you guys yeah. see the Devil's Backbone by, by any chance? That's my favorite Del Toro movie. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it or not. Yeah, so that that movie is about a, a ghost but it's the the dna of that movie is kind of like the horror of war mm-hmm. and i feel like del toro was like well what if i did that with scary stories right mm-hmm. yeah well no it doesn't work <laughs> it's just it's just a, it's a side note at the end of the movie oh sure. we, this guy was this this uh ramon character was was kind of dodging the draft you know right, um, right i think right. that's is that correct is that it's yeah, been yeah, yeah. i think so yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no i think um yeah, that's, you know, not to go off on a tangent about uh, Devil's Backbone here, but that's a perfect oh, encapsulation yeah. of what I love in kind of what I was trying to articulate earlier about when when ghost stories are at their best, they're sort of these tales of this particular socio-political moment for like a culture or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. that book was about this, you know, specific orphanage during this specific war at this specific time and there's it just happens to be told through a ghost story and i feel like a lot of del toro's movies are kind of variations on that like pan's labyrinth is similar similar obviously but i think that's the kind of most effective um, way he's done that it feels like he's 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 trying to make sense out of uh real life right horrific things that people do and do to each other um, um, well, and it should be noted that um, the movie version of Scary Stories was not directed by no. Del Toro. So, right. Right. Yeah, this he movie produced was it. produced and co-written by Del Toro. I don't think he wrote this uh, on the screen ba- screenplay specifically, so it's sure. more of a story by credit. Like, sure. Yeah. So here, here's a quote from Del Toro that I found regarding kind of like uh, he always wanted to kind of work in in the scary story kind of universe in some way. Mm-hmm. But here, here's a quote regarding kind of the how he decided. 
there are two ways to make this movie. You either make an anthology or you figure out a way to like weave yeah. these stories together and, and <laughs> yeah. make it yeah, work. Sure. And sure. you know, I think I think regarding the sec- the second like and I don't think an, uh, you're not going to put this anthology in the theater, right? Mm. Um mm-hmm. the trick or treats and the the all body bags and all these great horror anthologies of the world uh yeah. will live on. They will outlive us, right? Um but they're not going to make a ton of money in the in the box office in the theater. Um, sure. I've I've heard interview after interview from different filmmakers who say, "Oh, I had this great idea for a horror anthology. No one would give me money. Don't do it. Don't do it." Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the the guy that made Monster House? <sighs> I mean, Dan Harmon like wrote the screenplay for. Yeah, that. it's Dan oh. Harmon's mm. buddy. He, he and we'll call him uh, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I, I can't remember his name, but uh, Dan Harmon and this guy kind of wrote this other. Or, or maybe this is just a, is that the other yes guy? yeah and it was directed oh, by uh, okay. Gil it is Bobby Keenan, I guess. did yeah. I call him Bobby wow. or did <laughs> I nicely done that? yeah no yeah. you did that's just my go to <laughs> is Bobby sure sure but uh, he he wrote this anthology that he was so psyched about and he he kept getting notes and notes and notes and eventually yeah. they're like don't you know, like we're never gonna make this thing but all sure. that being said like w- kind of having that knowledge of, of of hearing other people struggle like even. It's embarrassing. What's his face that made a uh, trick or treat? You know, he even had a, you know struggled to get that movie made, and eventually, when he made it, people didn't care until later, right? It's it's one of those yeah. things where you know people find it. <clears throat> sure. And all our yeah. favorite movies growing up, we don't know and don't care what the box office was. Like that's not how movies used to work, and that's you know sure. the Spielbergs of the world, the creators of the the box or the blockbuster ruined it for everybody. But so they had to figure out a way to get this movie. <laughs> made in a mm. way that's a, a western kind of americanized movie structure sure um what's the flavor we want to give it to weave these creepy little mm-hmm. stories that you could push them in a way that's that's so creepy that it, it could be like an a legit legitimate horror movie but like obviously that's not you know people grew up you know they want to take their kids to see this thing they want them to be involved in horror in a way that they were Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's go the Amblin Amblin route. Give it, make it a bunch of kids. You know, a book sure. that writes itself. So, say all that to say, long winded. Del Toro says, um, from the moment I got involved, I refused making it an anthology. And what I said is, in Pan's Labyrinth, I created a book called The Book of Crossroads. It wrote itself to uh, for anyone that opened it. And I thought, let's use that idea in a scary way that the book reads you and writes the scariest story and then you live it. And that way we can have a full story with characters. So he's like mining his own, like his own like uh, work to, to figure out how to do this scary stories uh, movie. (laughs) And I, I think it's kind of genius. Um, I think it's probably the best way to like actually make these books that you loved as a kid, like the character, the main character in the movie, unless you were just to, to pick like your favorite story from those books and just mm-hmm. really flesh it out into a feature. But then that's not scary stories. Sure. That's this yeah. story, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I remember being encouraged by Del Toro being involved, but like I was always yeah. pretty skeptical about the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say my skepticism was like borne out somewhat. I do <laughs> enjoy the movie, but I do think like we're kind of saying, I'm just not sure that framing device, the kind of connective tissue thing really works. Like yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a cool story. Like you're saying the way that he laid it out is cool, but I almost wish it would have just like, that sounds like a neat story, but it ends up just being little cameos from scary story characters yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah 
and I almost wish it would have just been its own thing and that scary stories could be its own thing. Cause it's like, well, I want to sure. dive more into the toe, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, I almost yeah. found myself wishing that it would have been like a limited TV series or something. And then like just yes, short sure. films. So it's like 10 yes. minute stories or something like that, which, you know, is yes. kind of like an anthology, like you're saying, but that way yeah. you could do like 40 of them or whatever. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I but they it, probably wanted to make a hundred million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the yeah. fact that, you know, obviously yeah. I think if I would have been 13 and this come out, I might've liked it a lot more, which is kind of right. the point. It's supposed to be for kids. It was always for kids, but you're in this right. tricky spot of when you grow up on something and then yeah. as an adult, you like want it to be gruesome, but it's not really <laughs> for you as yeah. an adult. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it does, it does seem like one of those things. I mean, you know, as an adult, I completely agree with you um, that I would, I would be very, very into like a little bit more intense version i mean it could be it could be you know teenage that's fine but like a little bit more intense version of lots of these stories put in a sort of you know anthology series sort of like a twilight zone type Mm -hmm. thing you know what i mean where you get different episodes that that jump into this stuff um Yeah. yeah i mean i think i think just as we're this is off the cuff just as we're talking about it i think one of the things that kind of didn't sink or sit super well for me in terms of the framing device of like a story that writes on its own and the the bellows girl who's in the basement telling stories blah 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 i think one of the things that didn't work is that that makes it sort of not folklore right in a way you know and and that's kind of the cornerstone of the whole thing is like Mm -hmm. these are stories that get passed on and on and on and on and on and i think evoking some of that could have been could have been useful um and and actually let me just say before i forget uh going back to what you said uh john about trying to find stephen gamble uh in your Mm -hmm. youth i think that would have been a cool scary stories movie let me (laughs) just throw that out you know what i mean like like i'll write a spec script make it yeah exactly make a make a meta film where scary stories to tell in in the dark exists but it has some dark background to it. where did those images come from do they come from your head i don't think so there (laughs) is no stephen gamble there's a portal to hell in his house or whatever (laughs) yes Um, wasn't that kind of the premise of the goosebumps movie i didn't see it but i think like rl stein is a character in it right yeah i I, that's right yeah i i enjoyed the hell out of that movie too it sounds fun i did not see it yeah yeah i mean so I, I think one of my big takeaways, like this movie is a great uh, gateway horror movie for like a 12 year old mm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, my dad and I went and saw it chapter one when it came out and yeah. I, you know, I was, I was really digging it. I was laughing at the scares and just having a, having a good time as an adult, but there was yeah. a 10 year old kid next to me. And I guarantee yeah. you that was at that point, the worst moment yeah. in his life. <laughs> like he was not coping, right? Sure. Just not, and the, you know, it, it's, it is, uh, they, you know, the rated R movie, like they did take it a step or two further, obviously a few steps further than scary stories did. But at the yeah. same time, like, I think the DNA of those stories, like in the gruesome kind of, again, grotesque, uh, elements yeah. of that story still bled through in a way in those, as John said, those kind of cameos. I don't think, like, as a, as a narrative, like, it's choppy, right? It's, yeah. okay, you have these kids, and you have the book. The book, you know, like, and, then, and that's, 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 a, that's an interesting and good idea, a way to, like, kind of bring <clears throat> these stories together. But mm. at the end of the day, it's kind of an afterthought of, like, okay, we need a kid that's, like, a little afraid of the things he's going to eat, right? He's got to be, yeah. like, he's got to make a comment at some point that, like, oh, like, 
you should be careful about what you're putting in your body or something. Right. And he's right, the kid right. that's going to eat the toe, right? Sure, right. sure. Um, the popular girl is going to get the the spider and she's going to you know, run yeah. into a spider web earlier and she's just going to be mortified. So it's like yeah. in a vacuum of just a narrative, I think for me, knowing these stories, I'm not having read the books as a kid, but knowing these stories and knowing the images, I could piece it together in a way that I'm like, okay, I get this. I understand sure how these things are working, but in a vacuum, like the cameos feel almost out of place in a way that they don't, they, the D sure. their DNA, their DNA aren't shared well enough with the fear of the kid. If that makes sense. If there was a way to like mm. really hmm. like, does it, am I making sense? Yeah. Like yeah, it, I think it so. does feel yeah. like an afterthought of like, okay, well how, what could this kid's fear be? Oh, um, sure. This really yeah. kind of, large creepy lady where her dress and her skin are like kind of you know i mean so yeah it's creepy i I guess let me ask this question then do do y'all think that like the correct answer is just don't make this into a movie not from an economic standpoint i mean i'm sure they made money whatever but like from an artistic standpoint and a sort of cultural standpoint is the right answer don't make this into a movie these are tiny four paragraph separated stories that have <laughs> nothing to do with each other sometimes or all, all the time you know do you know what i'm saying is that is that yeah, um, is that is making it a feature length film just that's the issue or i don't know like I, I i think maybe for me but but like i said like you know i'm i'm one of the people who you know when when a sequel comes out that's to a movie like that's just awful mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. ruin the original. Like there are people like sure. my childhood's ruined. You know, my my dad feels like his yeah, childhood is ruined right. from Batman versus Superman. <laughs> That's not something that we completely agree similarly. on, but but I get. It. Um, yeah, yeah. We we just had this as if you should check out our Zack Snyder episode. Uh, I started. Just I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, some there are some problematic things, but in that episode, you'll learn that like, do I think this movie shouldn't have been made the way it was made? Um, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of kids that that are really creeped out by this movie that see this movie and like the mm-hmm. way that and and I'm not sure I'm, I'm pronouncing his his name right. Andre Overdahl. Sounds right. Uh, um, potentially yeah. the director. Yeah, yeah. he made uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, which if you haven't seen that, he he does a lot with a little in that movie. Cool. It's he super. Did good. A, I think it's on Netflix. Troll Hunters too. He did that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. I have seen that um, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Regardless of how choppy the narrative is and the fact that you have an Amblin movie over here that's Halloween Goonies-esque, and mm-hmm. then you have all these kind of cameos over here, and although those hands aren't aren't holding each other super tightly, I think the Amblin part's really dope just because I enjoy that type of mm-hmm. aesthetic. And I do think the snapshots in a vacuum are very well done. I think uh, visually, like, I can't really imagine him doing much better. Um to like bring those things to um, live action, sure. Um, so I think he, I think I think where this movie shines is just in those moments and, and kids watching this movie and being like, oh, I think I'm a little a, a little, I, I think I'm different now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me watching yeah. it, like I I didn't need this movie, um, but I can't say that about like a, a, a you know a 12 year old kid walking into this movie and like now horror is his favorite thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think think that's a great point. I, yeah, from coming from where I am today, my perspective, 
I think it's probably always going to be a miscalculation to turn something like yeah. this into a movie. You know, mm-hmm. I do think in since we're in this age of there's so much on TV that used to be movies, that's kind of where my brain went automatically. It was like this would make a great sort of, you know, whatever yeah. streaming service, uh, yeah. <laughs> limited series yeah. with a big budget. And maybe that's in where the it age, exists. In the, age, the golden age of streaming, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure, yeah. shows. Yeah, exactly. But I do think, you know, something like trick or treat i think hangs together well as an anthology because the background is sort of like halloween like it's a very loose sort of framework and the stories take center stage whereas in the scary stories movie like the main story is the main thing and then the stories kind of pop in from time to time so i actually thought about i don't know if either of you guys have heard of this 90s computer game called the dark eye no, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. It's this adaptation of uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories uh, to get oh. back to Poe, but it was this, it was this game kind of based on these various Poe stories, and it was it was insane. It was like stop motion animated, creepy characters. It was narrated by William S. Burroughs, <laughs> like Ooh, he does wow. the characters, and you could play either the killer or the victim in these stories. <laughs> and I don't know how me and my friend found this, but it was meant to be like, nobody else I've ever talked to has heard of this thing, Yeah. but it always stood out in my mind. A, cause again, like they were, it was very creepy images and it was some of my, you know, along with that like paperback book, like sort of early exposure to these post stories, but it, it had this framing device that I think really worked. And I always kind of think about this weird game when I think about, framing devices for sort of strung together horror stories is it's like you're sort of a character from one of the stories and you step into this world and then as you explore this house it's like different post stories come in and out of it so i feel oh, like cool. it is possible to do it in a way that works well but maybe it's better as something like a, a looser anthology or a video yeah. game or a tv show or something like sure. that i don't yeah. know so it's sort of something where, like, uh, first of all, I'm I pulled up the the a couple of pages about this video game, and the imagery looks super cool. So <laughs> I gotta, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, have to, I'll have cool. to look into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your point is is a good one, which is maybe put less pressure and less emphasis on whatever the framing device is to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah, don't yeah. make it be, don't not care about it. Don't make it just an afterthought. But at the same time with the scary stories movie, um, the, the frame, what we would think of as sort of the framing device is just the main narrative. Um, right. and, and the sort of individual scary stories are kind of just, you know, they might feel a little shoehorned in or something like that. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, and it's cool. Like I like seeing, the the characters pop up but like yeah, i yeah. want i want the mitai doti walker uh backstory <laughs> <laughs> like yeah the jangly yeah, yeah. man guy is sure. cool but like it doesn't it doesn't do the trick for me yeah. yeah yeah i get that i will i will say just just in the in the spirit of of doing what we sometimes do with with media and movies and things that you know g- our general takeaway is eh, so-so, or maybe not mm-hmm. great. I will talk about positives for a minute because I did enjoy some parts of this movie. I thought this movie did some things well um, yeah. that, that were kind of cool. Um, I liked, uh, what's his name, the Scarecrow, Harold, right? Um, yeah. I liked Harold. I liked his look. I liked the whole, like, it's a little bit hard to tell when it's a person in it and when it's not a person in it, and I thought that that effect was really sort of effective, like where it looks like the Scarecrow is looking right at the other actor and it's like well but maybe that's just sort of practical effects um maybe that's just a mask whatever i thought that was pretty cool and then when when the uh when he's walking out and harold is getting ready to move the shots of like 
you know, he sits there and looks at Harold and it lets the tension sort of build. You're expecting the scarecrow to move, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they don't do it that way. Like he walks around and then he just comes back and it's just gone, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. Some of the choices that they made in terms of like building a little bit of tension, you know, um, those things were fun. I, yeah. I did like I did like elements or pieces of this film, uh, even if I don't think it was fully successful all the way across. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. And, and like I said before, like, a Halloween Ambliny kind of kids movie pull that away from from kind of your thoughts of the book and like sure those types of movies are fun right um sure. I think the performances yeah. were good I think the kids were were did well yeah I um, like the kids yeah it, one one review I think I don't remember the the yeah. critic but you know they, they they shared a lot of similar feelings that we have but you know their 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 thoughts regarding his Overdahl's set pieces were that that they felt like he understood because he didn't write the script, but he, that he understood within the context of the kind of the, the tale that these individual set pieces were kind of greater than, than uh, the sum of its parts, if that makes sure. sense. So he mm-hmm. did, he did do a good job at like making each one of these sequences pop in its own way. Sure. Um, even if from a narrative, it is choppy and it doesn't, it, it feels kind of like <laughs> injected sure. into an Amblin movie in kind of a weird and awkward way. <laughs> Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, he's clearly got a very strong aesthetic sense, and yeah. I appreciated the way that he could kind of build tension using that throughout the stories, even if I thought, like, sort of narratively it didn't hang together as well. Like, I, d- yeah. I definitely appreciated aesthetically what he was doing. Yeah, yeah and, and, and from, from, like, a, a craft standpoint, you know, I remember when this movie came out, there was a, a video floating around YouTube of, like, this dude did all these things practically except for the jangly man's face yeah. facial expressions yeah. right and sure. you know kind of watching the footage behind the scenes like oh yeah like no these are like these are not computer kind of simulated visual yeah. effects these are people in in sculpted masks and bodysuits and that that kind of thing and yeah. speaking of the jangly man i don't know mm-hmm. if you guys are fans of a little show called america's got talent uh, <laughs> was he, I mean, uh, was he a talented American? I, I, I know I've, what it is. <laughs> I've, I've seen a couple uh, seasons. T- Tiff and I got on a at, at one point a year or two ago. We're like, I think we're gonna watch this now, and we watched like two seasons straight. And the guy that eventually went on to play the jangly man was um, a contortionist, uh, Troy oh, really? James. He was on the That's show. Cool. Uh, I, I want to say Simon uh, Simon Cal says says to him like we're all going to give you yeses and we think you you have a, a career in like in in horror movies or something right oh really <laughs> and then he goes on to play the jangly man in, in that's really movie. funny so yeah kind of knowing that and and seeing that like little behind that's the cool. curtains like oh yeah. this is this is actually super cool for this guy <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I um, expected a. Doug Jones to be one of the yes. guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess exactly. he wasn't any of the monsters. So. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. okay. So, so that leads me to a question that I was going to ask, which is, do you think that maybe uh, all three of our expectations as adults uh, who at least remember these books, um, were our expectations sort of wrongly calibrated because of the sort of marketing push that, that uh, Guillermo del Toro was attached to this? Do you know what I mean? If we hadn't heard that name attached yeah, to it, do you think we would be. have been like, oh, I they're making a Scary the, Stories movie? I yeah. wonder what the like cultural impact of Scary Stories is to the average 12-year-old today. Like, Do they yeah. care about it still or yeah. not? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would say not to the extent that Sure. our generation does uh-huh. um, yeah 
I th- I think that getting Del Toro involved was probably the smartest thing they could have done for this movie. Um, just uh-huh. from a, a standpoint of, of getting it in X amount of on X amount of screens across the country. Oh sure, or, or, yeah. or you know globally, you know. But I do think it is telling that he didn't write the script and he's a producer and he had an idea. It's that Chris Nolan, mm-hmm. I've got an idea for Man of Steel. Here's Zack sure. Snyder, <laughs> do your <laughs> yeah, thing. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you know, I I, I think. <laughs> I think if Del Toro had like a legitimate in on this series, he would have written and directed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the same sure. time, he's a businessman. He's you know he's sure. a, a, any <laughs> any uh, filmmaker who's a, who's accomplished what he has hasn't done so strictly on kind of artistic merit, right? Because there are thousands sure. of of great artistic filmmakers who will never have an Oscar um, yeah, and will yeah. never be considered by. Um, the Academy or or have marketing on kind of primetime television, that kind of thing. The dude knows what he's doing. Sure. And yeah. from an you know, just from a financial standpoint, he probably thought like, Oh yeah, this is this is a smart move. Like yeah. I'm gonna produce this movie, sure. get a get a, a filmmaker who hasn't done a ton involved, um, get get my uh some of my writers who write on like my animated shows and that kind of stuff to write the yeah. script and I've got an idea. Well, and it seems like, I mean, it feels like an intellectual property that he would be involved with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, he, yeah. Did, he did Hellboy. He, he, you know, even his own original films have had sort of monstrous elements to them. Shape yeah. of Water, was that out at this point? I guess that was out uh, before yeah. Scary Stories, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I would say to your original question, Will, like, I'm yeah. happier that this movie exists in the world than mm-hmm. doesn't exist sure, uh, sure i'll take all the scary stories adaptations you have to throw at me <laughs> if del toro is mm-hmm. involved all the better yeah. and in the spectrum of how good it turned out like i think it's pretty good for sure what it is so ultimately I'm, I'm happier to have it than to not and there's no reason there couldn't be some cool hbo series later or something <laughs> exactly yeah exactly i mean having this film doesn't preclude any of the other possibilities that we've talked about yeah for sure. i mean yeah. i i think normally with that type of argument like my thoughts are okay for blockbuster style movies for theatrical style movies we're at a point now where x amount of superhero movies will <laughs> for sure take the place of x amount of just dramas or or yeah. whatever what what have you like mm-hmm. you know what i mean smaller Anything budget thing else yeah. medium you know 10 to 50 million dollar movies it's just going to happen sure but yeah. with this i think it's 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 a little different you know um mm. i don't think this movie existing it's not like uh, the avengers taking all the space up if that makes sure. sense right. sure sure yeah for yeah. sure let me also just throw out, this is actually not about the movie, but let me just throw out that I looked up, uh, I went into uh, Albert Schwartz's other work, and he also r- was the writer or compiler of a book called In a Dark, Dark Room and Other Scary yep. Stories. Um, and that book is one that I have on my shelf downstairs, and I didn't realize it was him until right now. But there's a story in that, the art in that was also is also burned into my subconscious yes, from being a child. Oh, wow. And there's a there's a story at the beginning called The Teeth. I don't know if you remember that one, John. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a guy with like a big beard, and he has enormous teeth, and like that's the scary thing about him from my memory anyway. Yeah. Like that his teeth are so large, and it was... It was disturbing. <laughs> it was good. And yeah. there's another one where the woman has the ribbon on her right. neck or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was going like to mention that, that the one, green, yeah. Yeah, the green ribbon. Do you remember these, Joe? No, Do you remember these, No, Joe? but that, that one rings a bell. 
their green ribbon. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to. You'll have to look up uh, some of the art for this because I feel sure that you've seen it too. But the I'm ribbon sure. one, the punchline with the ribbon is at some point she takes off the ribbon that's around her neck and her head falls off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking it's of good like stuff, that was a very famous, you know, sort of folklore story going a long way back to you, and it's come up yeah. so many times since I've read that book, but that book is definitely the first time I ever heard yeah. that story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a very different illustration style uh, than yeah. Stephen Gamel's, but it's similarly, I read it about the same time, and it similarly messed me up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably a little yeah. too young, but um, yeah, I also yeah. really liked that one. Yeah, the, the the visual art in that is very effective, but in a completely different way. It's sort of, right. <laughs> it's sort of cartoony and simple, but still yeah. conveys this creepiness in, in an interesting way. Oh, yeah, the, one, of the, one of the other, actually, the only other thing that I have um, that I definitely wanted to mention uh, while we're doing the episode is uh, watching the beginning of that documentary um, that I think you mentioned john was um it, it opened up and i was like oh cool let me watch this documentary about scary stories and you know prep for the episode and all this stuff it's gonna be good and then i pull it up and i start watching and the first it opens on a shot of joe whiteford the guy from harley poe uh, and Calibretto 13 oh, right. from, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it opens talking to him for like five minutes about his relationship with scary stories. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to love this documentary. Like the rest yeah. of it is, is good. So I um, remember which, that yeah. guy in it, but I kind of forgot about, uh, that connection to what his work was. Yeah. 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 He was Calibretto 13 and then Calibretto and then Harley Poe. So, um, didn't he which, do the, the song that's in the documentary too yes yeah that's why yeah. they talked to him obviously he, right. he did a version that was of, cool too uh, yeah he did a version of what is that called the um the, like the, the grave song the hearse song the or something hearse yeah. song yeah the hearse song yeah that's it yeah he did a version of that and actually for a very long time i thought that was his song before i went back and revisited mm. it's cool stuff um so the uh just real quick, the the Nixon mm-hmm. narrative was like a hail mary. Oh yeah, let's like, talk let's, about that. Let's, yeah, like let's make this movie me- mean something, right? Somehow, sure. <laughs> right. sure. Can sure. we do it? So what all was in there? There was at the very beginning. You have a couple establishing shots, a and there are some like Nixon campaign posters that people a have put swastikas you on. You see him on TV. Okay, yeah. And then at the end, you realize I, I don't remember the the story, it, it, but Ramones. Fear was being a coward, and the his yeah. his creature maybe called him a coward, if that's correct. Right, for, right. for you know, not mm-hmm. going off to mm-hmm. war. Um, yeah, I've I think that's just Del Toro trying to like make it more of a Del Toro kind of story, and sure. I don't know how successful it was. Um, yeah, don't think you had to have that. Yeah, do you think it was primarily sort of a they were making um, a sort of socio-political point putting that stuff in there or do you think it was just sort of character motivated it's just for that kid you know what i mean yeah um, I, don't I, don't, I don't know i don't know i i mean i can't speak as to what what they think but it does feel like they're trying to give it some weight with sure. it i don't know sure. that it's just like well it's 1968 so <laughs> what can we do sure oh, i've got it you know I, I feel like it's let's make yeah. let's give it i don't know i might be wrong Sure. No, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, they were clearly looking for, I don't disagree with the idea of maybe trying to do these stories in the 60s. I guess I can get on board with yeah. that. And I guess sure. if you're going for sort of a dramatic narrative device, device, it sort of works. But 
I don't know, something about the kid who was like Ramon, I kept waiting for some weird final twist with him. <laughs> like, oh, is he yeah. a demon yeah. or like, is he <laughs> yeah. somehow up to something? Like, it felt weird that it was just like, no, it was pretty straightforward. He's just a good dude. And now he's gone off to war. Yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I kept waiting for yeah. a shoe to drop there. Um, sure. And I do think it's interesting that the whole thing ends, you know, a couple of the kids are still like trapped in the monster oh, right. world or whatever right yeah. like so they kind of yeah. set it up where there's like i think i've got a way we can we can get but we can find them so it's like okay so scary no, stories Ar- too Ar- too yeah. story coming out Augie's Ar- yeah. gone okay Augie's <laughs> Ar- a dead kid yeah. now yeah <laughs> could be i i think i think um this is just a random thought but i think my favorite of all of the sort of little all of the invocations of the particular scary stories in the film was the uh, the red room, the woman, right, with the, yeah. the big yeah. smile or whatever. Um, I thought right. that was cool. The the only thing that threw me off on that one, like I love how effective it's like it's closer and closer every time, et cetera, et cetera. Every time you turn, it's just such a bad dream fuel, right? It's like that's something you wake up out of. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that got me with it was, or you don't. Or yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But when uh, the thing that got me with it was uh, every time there are times when he turns and it felt like there were multiple big scary women. Um, right. Do you know what I mean? Like he was going, he was turning so fast. I'm gonna go this way. Oh no, wait, she's there. I'm gonna go this way. Oh no, wait, she's there. And something about the way it, it they shot it, and I don't know if it was actually. I'd have to go back and watch with an eye toward it, but I don't know if there were actually multiple of them in f- certain frames or not. Um, like but they were it felt all gonna me, meet up and in, in the middle yeah, and just if, squish if, him. Yes, it felt to me like, oh, is this multiple monsters or is it one monster who is just wherever you're trying to go kind of thing i can't I remember i'd have to maybe that was me missing i'd have something, to rewatch but... no. no that sounds familiar in my memory i'm remembering multiple of them coming together okay <laughs> um, okay yeah yeah i mean she's a very creepy figure yeah. and i like the way that they did it i just remember being surprised that it's like oh that's literally what she looks like in the book um yeah. <laughs> which is cool i guess i imagine it as more like a human lady that's drawn weird, but I, it's kind of cool that it's this weird uh, giant puppet that looks exactly sure. like that. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> and I, I actually just saw that, um, the, that the person who played the, the large woman is the, in the red room is the same person who played Harold, the scarecrow. Okay. So, same there one. You go. There you go. There yeah. You if you, go. if you guys can find that behind the scenes, uh, video that popped around, I'm sure you can. It's, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's fun. It's nice. fun to watch. Do you enjoy cool. watching? <laughs> sure. I do. Sure. Uh, I wanted to mention one other thing, which was, yeah. so there's this scary stories, a tribute to terror book, okay. which is a fan made uh, book that just came out this year, I think. And it's like an author and an illustrator who are kind of doing their best to make a new collection of them. And it's very yeah. well done. Like it's a really good approximation of the art and the style of the stories. So I'll just shout that cool. out. It's a, it's a cool yeah. thing. Nice. Oh, definitely. And the document the the documentary you guys were talking about is that like on mm-hmm. Netflix or anything? It's uh, I found it on Prime, on Amazon. Yeah, I think it's streaming um, on Prime. Yeah, cool. but it's just called Scary Scary Stories, and that came out yeah. last year too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. They talked to they talked to like one of the women who, at least in in what Washington or something, was sort of in charge of the attempt right. to remove it from a particular library and stuff. It's very cool. It's a very yeah. Um, very good, well done documentary. Oh, sweet! I pulled up the tribute to terror website. That looks fantastic. It's pretty so, good, right? Yeah, it's very, very cool. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, um, do you all want to rate 
Scary stories to tell in the dark. Does that work? Yeah. Are we rating yeah, the stories and the movie? Or I guess that doesn't work, Joe, because only the I, movie, I, right? I think we I, can do what, whatever we want. Just, yeah. you know, uh, whatever okay. you feel like doing. Cause, it's loosey-goosey. Yeah. <laughs> I'll <laughs> probably compi- I'll compile mine and do an average, and Joe will probably, <laughs> probably do I, the movie. I, <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah, so I, I can't fairly rate, rate um, the books because I was a child. It wasn't as cool as you guys. <laughs> Um, I mean, we I didn't. Up. We didn't want to say anything. But I caught up. Know. But I will to this day say that there was something inside of me <laughs> that was drawn to Batman Returns over Batman. Okay. Oh, I see. And I think I it was. It was it's that, that same spirit. Yeah, yeah, it was the spirit of like I don't think I should be watching this, and it's kind of messing <laughs> yeah. with me a little bit. And there, are, there yeah. are just these underlying things that like this isn't for kids. But you know what? For some yeah. reason, this is the one I always go back to. I mean, to. Danny DeVito yeah. spitting out that black goo, that could be in scary <laughs> yeah. stories easily. Come on. Uh, so. I remember I, I would always, <laughs> this isn't a Batman episode, obviously, but I would I would <laughs> tense up because I'm like, he's going to bite that dude's nose pretty much clean yep. off, and it's going to yep. be so bloody, and then he's going to eat raw fish. And I, I remember thinking, who eats raw fish? And now here I am eating like sushi <laughs> like <laughs> right, yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the Burton version of Penguin is just like one step away from the pale lady from Scary Stories. Exactly so. right. Yes. You're completely yes. right. And yes. like on that note, Del Toro, whatever, you know, he's great or whatever. <laughs> let's give this movie to Tim Burton, see what he does sure. with it. But sure. let's give this movie to Tim Burton 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. 1992, yeah, he, Tim Burton. He uh, had to have been into these books when they came out. It seems he, very oh, wheelhouse. 100%. Absolutely. If you if you you know if you've seen his 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 uh, illustrations from when he was a kid, it's like yeah. his version of that. It's just a shorter, sure. rounder version, <laughs> right? right. A shorter, yeah. rounder, sure. but also pokier, rounder yeah, yeah. and pokier at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Definitely. But so yeah, I can't I can't rate. Um, if I were just to rate the imagery, it would let's just say my ratings would be off the charts. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But let's rate the movie for me. I'm gonna give it a. Six severed toes, okay? I'm just going to give it six solid <laughs> okay. severed toes. Um, okay. And I'll honestly feel like if I were rating it from uh, a kid uh, growing yeah. up on those books in a real, like, kind of tangible way, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably rate it lower. But I liked it. It's sure. fine. I didn't nice. I didn't go home and think, I wish I hadn't seen that, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll give, it, cool. I'll give it a six. Six. Six severed right. toes, but you have to chew on them. Okay, <laughs> got to bite enough. down. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You got to yeah. hit bone. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I reread the t- the toe story, and it's it's so wild. Like there, it's some child or something who sees the toe sticking out of the ground and like pulls on it, and it doesn't <laughs> doesn't come off at first, and then he pulls it again, and it pops right off. <laughs> it's like ugh. anyway, that, that's um, already yeah. significantly better than what. The movie. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, float. It's floating in a stew. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, like people are so gross with what we eat. Yeah. Like we eat flesh all the sure. time. All the We're time. We're awful. It's um, so gross. <laughs> uh, John, you wanna you wanna rate you wanna sure. rate this? Yeah, I prepared I prepared two separate ratings here. Um, oh, nice. But uh, Look at yeah, you coming prepared. <laughs> the Love books it. themselves, I'm I'm considering scary stories as one giant collection. I'm sure. going nine point five Mitai Doti Walkers. Nice, uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I think a, yeah. I think a nine and a half, which is which is pretty high. But uh, the, they were they were big. They were big for me. And then yeah, the movie. I think I'm pretty close to you, Joe. I'm, I'm going six point five Jangly Men for that. Very nice. cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> six, nice. six point five. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got six and six point five in terms of the movie, and we got a nine point five. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Was that what you said? Yeah. Nine point five for the book so far. I'm actually going to. So we're going to do all potential versions of rating this thing because I am <laughs> going to do uh, a compilation rating. Uh, I'm going to give one number, but it's about both. So in other, I mean, my take will not be far off from y'all's take, which is the books were amazing and the film was less so. So <laughs> the books yeah. will be really high, and then the film will pull it down a little bit so it's a good thing that i thought i knew somebody was going to do however many toes so i didn't yeah. I, I was like yeah. i can't do toes um so <laughs> so i think if it were just the books i would be up there with 9.5 i think i completely agree um i think my take on the film might be a touch higher i might give it a seven or so um mm-hmm. just because and it's kind of like we've we've Joe and I have talked about this before on the podcast, which is like when we care more about something, we tend to be harsher on it a little bit, you know, because like we want more out of it. And so I think the fact that like I still have these books and even if they make a movie and it completely sucks, I still got the books, you know, and it won't it won't hurt me at all. So I think I think that's why I'd be a little more generous. So I would do like a nine point five on the books and then I would probably do about a seven on the film. And so we'll average it out and we'll say an eight. Um, I don't know if that's the average or not, but that's what I'm going with. So, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm gonna exactly say, an eight. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say it's an eight out of ten uh, human sausages. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, Perfect. All right, sweet. So we got uh, six and six point five for the film. We got uh, nine point five and nine point five for the books, and then an eight average for me. So. Well, John, Pretty you want to plug your plug your uh, plug ratings. your show again? <laughs> Absolutely, wanna, yeah. Magnified yeah. Pod is uh, the name of the show. You can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Hell yeah, it's a great show. I love like you guys are. I don't know if you guys do uh, editing on it. Uh, you you may just be much <laughs> more well spoken than Joe and I are, <laughs> like off the cuff. No. But uh, <laughs> but I love that you guys will release like I'll I'll see a, a new uh, Magpod episode come up and be like. Oh, three hours that I can just listen to. This is amazing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I love it. It's great. Much like the uh, the 25 people that might get the joke of our name, probably about 25 <laughs> people are, are up for a, a two to three hour podcast oh, uh, on this topic. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. we, we do actually edit. Usually it's like, you know, four hour records and two sure. hour episodes, two and a half hours. Yeah. But our kind of inspiration for it was, um, I don't know if you guys have heard like the You Talk and You Two to Me uh, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, I, I know Ackerman. what that is, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Scott Ackerman, the uh, comedy bang bang guy, and then Adam Scott, the actor, are yeah. on their third season now. Of they did you uh, <laughs> two, so you two, you talking you two to me, and then are you talking rem remi, and now they're doing uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I think it's called Are You Talking RHCP remi, and those are nice. all like three hours nice. and just kind of them, you know, bullshitting and yeah. joking and going back and forth, which is very much our vibe. Yeah. So that, if you're in, if you're into that. Uh, you'll you'll like the show <laughs> absolutely and i i as as like a you know someone who has a five hour frenzy tattoo on my body Ooh. like i will listen to y- y'all like break down the deep dive of each individual <laughs> uh-huh. track it just absolutely <laughs> is wonderful the thing is like i'll listen to all two and a half hours of the episode and then i'll go well for the next day and a half i'm going to be listening to that record again because yeah you know, i, I was listened to it in years or whatever, i was so. with will and his dad when will showed his dad his five iron <laughs> frenzy tattoo for the first time he was so disappointed 
disappointed. <laughs> he was so disappointed. It was he's, so much worse he's than like, him being so, upset or mad. It's so. <sighs> he's like, it's, could you not have gotten it a little smaller? Like it's, he almost, he almost cracked a tear. And yeah. it was he was like nineties Christian Scott. Are you yeah, sure? I know. Well, see, I didn't get. I I got the tattoo that I got is like the newer. Um, it was like the hash marks. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool, I cool, got cool. I got that like once they got back together, and I was like, oh shit, they yeah. put out a record, and it's not like a re up of one of their old records. It's like if they had continued, it's like super good. And so I was like, yeah, I'm never gonna regret this, so I might as well do it. Um, yeah, we've <laughs> talked yeah. about getting that at the end of the season. We'll see. Yeah, 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 for sure. You um, should uh, you should send a pic and we'll do a we'll, we've done yeah. this before but we should do a listener uh, tattoo roundup so oh dope yeah 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 I'll send you a picture for sure um, awesome. all right well uh, y'all this is the Common Creators podcast we've been talking about scary stories to tell in the dark with uh, John from Magnified Pod go check that out and subscribe and listen to all the episodes and all that good stuff um, Common Creators is you just a have to, to sub- subscribe to the show and sus- then you get all the said. episodes you don't <laughs> have to subscribe Wait. to each episode. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to, you can. I think your phone will just be confused, right? I don't know. Whatever don't you know. said made sense to uh, me. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we I are. Like to dual- throw, I like to throw yeah. a wrench. That's uh, true. Periodically. That's true. Here we are. Right I've now. Done, I've, yeah. It's been less so this episode. I know, right? You've been very well behaved until right now. Yeah. Um, we are a dual production of uh, Destination Nation Network out of beautiful Louisville, Kentucky, and also Rock Candy Podcast out of Asheville, North Carolina. So go to DestinationComics.com and also RockCandyRecordings.com and get all your uh, podcasts and also your comics if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area. So I ask this at the end of every show, but I'll ask it again in terms of beautiful artwork and also four paragraph long stories that can be read on the surface level or also dug into as a sort of anthropological exercise and then also a movie that has Guillermo del Toro on it and might have been a little disappointing to some of us but you know if we were a 12 year old we might be into it would y'all say that you concur (laughs) I concur yeah I concur (laughs) yeah all right dope that's cool all right bye bullseye (laughs) (laughs) bye Thank you for listening, DNN. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.